0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Elizabeth May resigns as the leader of the Green Party. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I
1: wanted to choose a moment when we had had a lot of success before leaving. And we have a leadership race already planned and a convention planned.
0: Eleven senators break away to form a new caucus.
1: I am unclear yet, and we may see it develop, what this caucus is supposed to fix.
0: And Ontario's Doug Ford offers to host the next Premier's meeting.
1: We have to send a message to the world that uh, there's certainty here, certainty here in, in Canada. And uh, I thought it was a good idea, and, and, and I think all the premiers we spoke to thought it would be a good idea to, to get together and, and send that message. But also, uh, let's, let's listen to the concerns of the people out west.
0: It's Tuesday, November the 5th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan.
1: Good morning, Mark
0: so in some ways, I think it was a bit of a surprise because nobody was necessarily expecting it this week. But the resignation of Elizabeth May as Green Party leader has been a long time coming in some respects. She's hinted at it before. Uh, I think uh, midway through the last term of Parliament, she even said if there was somebody willing to take over, she'd be happy to step aside. So uh, we, we knew that it was probable before the next election, but not just not necessarily yesterday. Right.
1: Yeah, this is. A, a, she said that uh, she wanted to be remembered as somebody who um, always gave a straight answer, never told a lie, and certainly you're right. She's been telegraphing this for a while. I talked to her about it yesterday a bit. How, how did this happen? And she said in 2016, she told her daughter Kate that um, that she was going to leave if she could find a successor, and when she couldn't find a successor before the next election, she promised. that she would leave that the 2019 campaign would be her last so um, I think it was just a matter of time and she told me that she was meeting the the Green Party I think maybe it was the Federal Council they were having meetings this weekend in an Ottawa hotel and uh, she was trying to figure out should I leave in December should I leave uh, you know should I stay on as leader right up until the next one is chosen next fall Um, And then it suddenly, as she said, gelled for her. And she decided to, uh, she was having this press conference on Monday, she's going to leave anyway. So that was that.
0: Yeah. So what do you think about the future of the Green Party without Elizabeth May? Because the two have been somewhat synonymous in Canadian politics for so long, especially during a period where she was their only MP.
1: Yeah, for good and for ill. I'm sure many Canadians and certainly listeners to this podcast would have seen the ads that they took out this campaign, saying the Green Party is more than just Elizabeth May. We're more than one person. That seemed to be a message that that they had a hard time getting through. And certainly, they did elect more than one person. They elected three, but one of them was Elizabeth May. I, I think that's gonna be the real challenge is, is who steps up now to give it that visibility. There was a Green Party before Elizabeth May. I remember we we kind of covered it, like we covered the rhinoceros party or um, or some of the other fringe ones. Sure. And I, I guess the, the I think times have changed. I don't know that the Green Party is ever gonna go back to being fringe, but certainly it will depend on on who they get and um whether they can turn into, you know, a a modern, sophisticated party.
0: Yeah, and I think there are some legitimate questions about that, because on the one hand, you could say, well, this election was historic, a breakthrough in New Brunswick, three MPs instead of one. Uh, That's the glass half full scenario. The glass half empty uh, conclusion is, look, even in an election where environment was one of the key topics, top of the agenda, climate change, uh, really relevant to voters, uh, they didn't make any significant breakthroughs, and they've been at this a long time without any huge amount of progress. They came into this campaign with, with hopes and speculation that they might even surpass the NDP, didn't even come close to that. So the trend line is very, very incremental, and it, it doesn't feel like they're on the verge of some big breakthrough. So at a certain point, you do have to ask, what does the future hold, Right.
1: Exactly. I think Elizabeth May, and you and I probably talked about this last spring, last spring it really looked like it was breakthrough time for the Greens, for all the reasons you cite. And what Elizabeth May wanted in this Parliament desperately, she's, you, you will remember during the debates, the leaders' debates, she said to uh, to Justin Trudeau, I hope to God you don't get a majority. She wanted to be the voice of the balance of power. She wanted to have enough Greens to force Trudeau's hand on climate change to to actually make the Greens be the conscience of Parliament. That was uh, her, and to displace the NDP in that role. And I think you heard it in her press conference yesterday. She had two areas of frustration that she only hinted at. But uh, she was trying to be all sunny ways yesterday. But there were two things. She talked about dirty tricks from rivals. And what she's talking about is the NDP. She feels that they... Um, Their campaign tactics uh, were questionable, she thinks, saying things about her. And um, she was also disappointed in the media. And she said that the media did not seize on the climate change and did not seem to have even the capacity to have a climate change conversation in in the election in the way she had hoped. So. I, I walked with her down the Spark Street Mall uh yesterday afternoon just talking to her as well and I was I was trying to find out if she was at all in the famous thing, you know, bitter or disappointed or and she was uh, at least not to me uh saying that she said she won't have a chance to miss anything because she's going to be doing still all the things that she she loves. Right. But I think what she would have loved more is uh is to be the balance of power.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's turn to he's co- meeting Trudeau next week. Uh, yes, on November twelfth. Yeah, he, yeah. He's meeting all of the opposition leaders. I guess she's she's still going to sit in on that, even though she's not the leader anymore.
1: That's right. She's yeah. still the leader in the house. Right. I think this is as usual with the Greens. This is complicated. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right. What do you make of the eleven senators who have effectively formed a new caucus and are talking about it in the context of regional representation, which uh, at a time when we're raising concerns about national unity there's a new poll out this morning that shows uh, that uh, sentiment about separation in alberta and saskatchewan is at higher than normal levels an ipsos poll they call it historic levels uh, so uh, what do you think of this this new caucus and the and the tone around it the message around it
1: so before I went to the Green Party press conference yesterday, I was actually gonna—I was gonna head over to the Senate because this is a mystery to me. What is going on there? I think, in my sort of uh, joking ways, I'm wondering if they have a case of fragmentation envy. And since the House of Commons has shattered into a bunch of tiny caucuses, why not? Why not have sure. uh, have, have the same thing in the Senate? I—I I am unclear yet, and we may see it develop what this caucus is supposed to fix. I think they're, they're sending a number of messages out about what they're trying to fix. Are they trying to fix some of the problems of national unity that you've been talking about? The Senate is supposed to represent regional interests. That's what it was set up to do. These senators aren't from any one region, though. They're just from all over the place. Yeah. And they're saying they want more. You know, ideally, so the, the entire Senate would be the regional caucus. That that, again, that doesn't make sense to me yet. Um, I was quite struck by Andre Pratt's resignation, his exit interviews that he gave. Andre Pratt was the former um, journalist, uh, quite prominent journalist, who went to the Senate and left in disappointment with the way the Senate works, says that it can't get anything done uh, it's too fractious, it's too partisan. Um, it's So I kept trying to draw a line when I was hearing about this new Senate yesterday between the problems that Andre Pratt uh, laid out, which I think are serious, and this new caucus. And if anything, it just seems to muddy the waters more. I think, I guess we're going to have to see the Senate in action to see what this group represents, as as opposed to other independent senators' groups and yeah. conservative groups, etc. But I, I think I've, I've for now I've just decided that it's a case of fragmentation envy, and that they, if the House of Commons is going to be divided, so are they.
0: All right. Let's talk about uh, the premiers. Uh, speaking of uh, regional interests, uh, the uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford is offering to host a meeting of the premiers, um, and you can bet they're uh, they're going to be talking about how to apply leverage to Justin Trudeau's new government. So, what do you think the focus of that discussion will be?
1: Well. Um Again, I don't want to be too cynical, but I've covered a lot of First Minister's meetings in my life and Premier's meetings, and I find that they tend not to solve national unity problems and more exacerbate them. I think Western alienation, and again, without being too cynical, and national unity are the new uh, buzzwords of the fall. And so that's, as you sort of gently put it, that's the guise in which the premiers will do what they always do, which is get together, blame Ottawa for everything, and in a bid to get more money out of them. Because um, I'm not really sure how... um, But Doug Ford is saying national unity is a problem and the premiers have to get together and they have to solve Western alienation, but how does a meeting fix that? And it, it... as far as I, I can see at the moment, it's um, it just seems to be another excuse to kind of yell at the prime minister or yell at Ottawa.
0: Right. All right. We will see what happens. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, Ottawa bureau chief for the Toronto Star. As of today, effective today, I am no longer leader of the Green Party of Canada. Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, Paul Wells argues, Elizabeth May has given the Green Party a great gift by finally agreeing to let somebody else lead. Wells writes, Can a new leader change the Green Party's future? Nothing is guaranteed. But some of the most successful recent political performances have been turned in from parties that have been left for dead. These results aren't automatic, but they're impossible as long as a party does more of what it's already been doing. The Green Party has an opportunity now to overhaul its operations and message. As the election results made obvious, it also has an obligation to try. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hebert argues the election put both the Conservative Party and its leader on a losing track. Hebert writes, In almost every significant way, Andrew Scheer is in a much weaker position than Stephen Harper was in the aftermath of the 2004 defeat. Notwithstanding the larger caucus that will be gathering for the first time on Wednesday, so is the Conservative Party. The survival of any major political leader is always contingent, if not on victory, at least on a result that puts his party on a winning track. Shear's results point in the opposite direction. In the Financial Post, Diane Francis argues Alberta needs a new deal, or separation, is inevitable. Francis writes... Alberta must adopt Quebec's playbook and become a nation within a nation or threaten to leave. And the Conservatives should table in Parliament similar to that which was once approved on behalf of Quebec. That this House recognize that Alberta and Saskatchewan form a nation within a united Canada. That's what Stephen Harper did for Quebec as Prime Minister. It's now what Justin Trudeau must do for Alberta and Saskatchewan. If not, then separation is inevitable. In the Globe and Mail, Mark Lautens asks, Why don't more scientists run for office? Loutens writes, The simplest explanation might be that no one asks them to. They are rarely high-profile, so few become star candidates like those who are leaders in business, sports, or the arts. And the last thing parties probably want is to be burdened by people throwing around undeniable and unpleasant facts. Those hard truths may not be welcomed in our current climate, Keeping them on the sidelines helps avoid conflicting opinions. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The seventh annual National Conference on Ending Homelessness is happening in Edmonton until November 6th, welcoming over 1,500 participants from across Canada. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, November 5th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.